Hey, Dr. Bernard here. This episode is an audio exclusive. Reason being is that we're going to start with a patient who's already dead. And not just any ordinary death either. So here's a content warning. Death and mention of suicide. And that's why it's an audio exclusive, because I think that kind of subject could pass on YouTube, but that's a big could, because if you do get it reviewed and appealed, that'd be fine. Otherwise, it's just going to get buried and never surface ever again. And that's why I have the podcast, so I can not only talk about borderline sensitive cases like this, but also so that I can go more in depth in the science and in the medicine. This case was described in literature in the Journal of Analytical Toxicology and has a direct relation to what we know today in late summer 2020 about methanol contamination in hand sanitizers. Link to that paper is in the show notes. Here in the United States, we're at the height of a wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's interesting to me to think that in around 20 years, we're definitely going to remember the year 2020, but maybe not the years before it, which I still have fresh in my mind now, but I know I probably won't by 20 years time. So thank you to all the people who are monthly supporters on Anchor. If you'd like to support the show, I have the link in the show notes, but it's not required. I'm going to roll the sponsor now so that the rest of the show is uninterrupted. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. J.D. is a 46-year-old woman who was found dead on the foyer floor in her home. Her husband tells the police that she drank a bottle of Snap Octane Booster before jumping off the roof in a suicide attempt. An exam of the bottle showed that Snap Octane Booster is 95% methanol, which is a toxic alcohol in humans. When the police examined J.D., they found her face and chest covered with a towel. A pillow had been placed under her head by her husband before the cops had arrived. Her body was enclosed in an outline of fluid that had partially evaporated, and in the process of that evaporation, it had formed a dried white residue in an outlining shape of her body. It looked like there was a second chemical that was present reacting with the methanol octane booster, causing that white residue. That same fluid was found dripping out of her mouth. Injuries were found on her face and neck. It looked like she fell face down. She had a bruising on her arm and back, which didn't look related to the fall. The injuries to her chest and lungs that happened on impact with the floor after jumping from the roof were enough to cause her death in just a few minutes. As the police were looking more into what happened, they noticed that the husband had an injury on his hand that he claimed was because of recent garage work. In the bathroom, upstairs, investigators found blood splattered all over the walls and bloody towels everywhere. The bathroom door looked like it was kicked in, and a railing where J.D. could have jumped off to the floor was broken. Interestingly enough, J.D.'s body, when found by the investigators, was in a different position than what you'd expect from someone jumping off of a roof, because she was found a few feet inwards under the balcony, which isn't where something or someone would land from that jump. But the husband did mention that he rolled her over after he found her. He showed the cops a supposed suicide note left by his wife, but it really didn't say anything about suicide. What was interesting to everyone was how much of that octane booster appeared to be poured over her. There was a substantial amount that was dripping out of her mouth as her body was transported to the medical examiner's office. At autopsy, J.D. was 63 inches, or 160 centimeters in height, and 196 pounds, 89.1 kilograms in weight. She had injuries on her forehead, a laceration on her lower lip, 
perforating laceration on her tongue, and contusions on her neck. Bruises were found on her left arm, shoulder, and back, and she had multiple bilateral rib fractures and contusions on her right lung. The liquid that was found in her mouth wasn't found in her airway. It wasn't found in her esophagus. It wasn't found in her stomach. Actually, they found only just some food in her stomach and nothing else remarkable. She didn't have any prior heart disease, but she did have a spinal cord condition that looked like multiple sclerosis. Toxicology screen didn't show anything other than methanol, which was found in femoral blood. Methanol distributes like ethanol in the body. They're not too different structurally. The alcohol group and the fact that it's not a long carbon chain makes it water soluble. So if there's a compartment or a tissue that has a lot of water in it, we could reasonably expect there to be some methanol in this case, if she really did drink it. It was found in pulmonary artery blood, aortic blood, vitreous fluid, that's fluid in the eyes. And those are made of a lot of water, so that all makes sense. It was also found in her brain, liver, and kidneys. Those also have a lot of water too, and the methanol concentration found in those were lower than in the blood because they have less water than the blood. But interestingly enough, no methanol was found in her GI tract or in her urine, meaning if it was found in her mouth, she may not have swallowed it? But that's contrary to what the husband claimed when the investigators found JD's body. So, what's going on here? Well, if there's a measurement of methanol in femoral blood, and knowing that that's a major vein in the body, then we can guess about how much total methanol was put into her body. So we know about how much space methanol occupies when it's in the human body. It's a parameter called volume of distribution, and it's 0.6 liters per kilogram of body weight. We know how much JD weighs, and we have the concentration of femoral blood, which was 31.2 milligrams per deciliter. So multiplying everything together, it was almost 17 grams of methanol that had entered her body. And given that the octane booster is 95% methanol, then we can reasonably say around 20 milliliters of volume got into her body. But if there's no methanol in her stomach or her esophagus or anywhere else in her GI tract, then where could this methanol have entered her body? Well, the investigators found her body soaked in this liquid, along with some other floor treatment chemicals. Liquids can move pretty fast through the GI tract, but having no traces of it at all on the proximal end means that she didn't drink it recently. But having no methanol present in the distal end of the GI tract also means that she may not have drank it later either. But if she was doused in the liquid, is it realistic that 20 milliliters of methanol could have entered her body through the skin? Well, what's her body surface area? We know her height and we know her weight. So using the formula, we can guess that her body has 20,000 centimeters squared of surface area. How much of her body was soaked in methanol? Look at the rule of nines that's used with burn victims that counts against anatomic surfaces like head and neck, anterior and posterior trunk, arms and legs, each of which are a percentage of body surface area divisible by a factor of nine, except for genitalia, which is 1%. So, about 60% of her body had been covered in methanol. We know that her total body surface area was around 20,000 centimeters squared. So, 60% of that is 12,000 centimeters squared. The final part of this forensic analysis is how quickly does methanol absorb through the skin? This question has been answered a couple times. In 1954, there was a painter who spilled methanol on his clothes and shoes, and he didn't take them off or change them. Three days later, he was blind from the alcohol absorbing through his skin. 
In the late 1960s and 70s, experiments were done on animals to find out how quickly methanol absorbed through their skin. And in 1980, an experiment was done on live human volunteers. Keep in mind, there's no way that something like this could be done today because they knowingly tested a well-known poison on actual healthy people. So that experiment found out in healthy men that methanol absorbs through the skin at an average rate of 0.192 milligrams per centimeter squared per minute. It varies a bit based on how long it's been on the skin, but from this number, the medical examiner calculated that the methanol was on JD's body from anywhere from 7 to 12 minutes. And coupled with the fact that none of it was found in her stomach means that there was no way that she drank it and that there was enough that it's plausible that it was absorbed through her skin only. Pictures of her body also showed that she was mostly soaked in the fluid, and towels that were placed on her body by her husband made evaporation more difficult, prolonging contact time so she could absorb a higher dose. And given that no methanol was found in her GI tract, but somehow was found in her mouth and wasn't swallowed, this gave the court some evidence to what really happened. JD and her husband had a violent history. That injury on his hand may have been a garage work accident, but more likely was impact upon striking his wife. That would explain her contusions, her shoulder bruises. Her quote-unquote fall was really her husband throwing her from the second floor, ending in a fatal landing. In an effort to cover all of it up, he tried to pour methanol down her throat to make it look like a suicide attempt, but in the process, she may not have been able to swallow, even though she was likely still alive at that point. In a panic, her husband likely spilled the whole bottle as it dripped down her skin in an attempt to pour it down her throat. So he poured the whole bottle over her body and tried to cover it up with towels, which prevented evaporation, prolonging contact time with her skin and increasing the amount that was eventually found in her blood. Her heart was still beating, circulating the methanol around the blood and into her organs until it stopped beating. All of these findings were used to successfully prosecute the husband for murder. So what does JD's case have to do with today? Her case happened in the early 2000s, but today we have a warning from the FDA that certain brands of hand sanitizers are tainted with methanol. We always need hand sanitizer. Good hygiene has been partly responsible for longer average human lifespans now compared to 200 years ago, but it's especially in high demand now during COVID-19 pandemic for good reason. And not only are people buying it up, they're using it liberally which is a problem when some of these hand sanitizers are contaminated with up to 80% methanol. Do you remember that rule of nines for burn victims? Well, the hands would account for about 6% of the body surface area. So if you're JD's size of person, someone who's 5'3 and 196 pounds, then that's around 1,200 centimeters squared of body surface area on just your hands. The dose of methanol that can cause visual disturbances is around 0.08 grams of methanol per kilogram of body weight. So someone weighing around 200 pounds would need only seven grams of methanol to start to get disturbances in their vision. Not necessarily going blind, but the blurry vision and nerve damage can start at that dose. And keep in mind, seven grams at an 80% methanol solution is less than two teaspoons worth of hand sanitizer. Calculating everything together, if that volume of hand sanitizer is on your hands for a total of 30 minutes, that's enough methanol to absorb into your skin to cause visual disturbances. And you might say, okay, but the hand sanitizer does dry over time, so it evaporates. And you're right. But most people don't just use hand sanitizer once. They use it multiple times a day. And given that methanol can float around in the blood for up to 80 hours, all of that can build up over two to three days upon repeated use. So this isn't something to take lightly. 
this contamination can be damaging to people, and they might not even know it, especially when some of these brands have an FDA-approved label right on the front of the bottle. Also, little kids can get a hold of it and maybe even drink the bottle inadvertently. The methanol doesn't care what age you are, it'll cause all humans to go blind. So there's a danger there, too. So what can you do about this? Well, I think most of the stores that sold these brands of hand sanitizer have now pulled them from the shelves. There's a pretty long list of hand sanitizers that are included in this warning, so I've linked the show notes to the FDA site. Look them up. If your brand's not on the list, you should be okay. In general, I opt for soap and water more often than hand sanitizer, but I get it. Sometimes I'm not at home, and I can't go to a place where I can wash my hands because I'm on the road or I rode my bike somewhere, so having a bottle of hand sanitizer in my backpack or pocket would get things done in a snap. There's also some latitude in terms of methanol toxicity, like if you use a contaminated product as like a tiny little drop on your palm once, that's probably not enough methanol to cause profound metabolic acidosis and complete blindness. But if you've used a whole 500 milliliter bottle and it happened to be the 80% contaminated methanol and you basically soaked your hands and legs and rubbed it all over your body, then you might want to think about it a little bit more. And what should you do if you think you may have been in contact with it? Well, Think about how many days it's been since you last used it. If it's been like more than two weeks and you haven't noticed a difference in anything related to your health, including your vision, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. I would get rid of the bottle though, for sure. If you think something is happening, your vision starts to become blurry. I would definitely go to the hospital. I wouldn't wait because if visual disturbances are starting to happen, that's the methanol getting broken down to formic acid, which is what's causing the blindness. You can also call the Poison Center if you're in the United States, 800-222-1222, and tell them what's happening. If you're in another country, look online for your Poison Center contact. They're probably going to advise you to go to the hospital too, and the reason for that, rather than saying outright that the antidote is ethanol, which is like rum and vodka, is because lots of other things can also cause visual disturbances. You'll need that history and examination to make sure that it's methanol hand sanitizer that's causing the problems. And also, once you have the antidote in your body, drinking one shot isn't good enough to be quote-unquote cured. Methanol hangs around your body for a really long time on the order of days. You can't just chug a fifth and think that you're going to be fine because once that fifth is cleared through your body, that methanol is still going to be hanging around. It's still going to be broken down to formic acid and it's still going to be able to cause the damage to your visuals. So that's why you would need to be monitored while all of this is happening. I mean, it's either go to the hospital or have permanent vision loss. It's not really a choice in my opinion. So there it is. A case of homicide that was allegedly a suicide at first involving percutaneous absorption of methanol. Methanol absorption in skin was first seen in the 20th century as an industrial accident. Especially important because people in those work settings were also inhaling methanol vapors, which is another effective route of administration. So it's an easy way that it gets into your body. Experiments were done to find the approximate rate of skin absorption in humans. The murder case happened 20 years after that experiment, and the imported hand sanitizer contamination happened another 20 years after that, during a modern 21st century pandemic. All of this showing that though the times change, the scientific reasoning and methods that were done in a different time can still be applied today. Thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourself and be well.